You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. The Democratic National Committee has filed a lawsuit against the Trump campaign, and speculation about Michael Cohen is reaching a fever pitch. Appropriately, we're talking with Mark McKinnon of Showtime's The Circus about all of the unfolding drama. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We have so much content to share with you guys this week after our travels last week. We have our interview with Mark McKinnon today. We will be sharing the amazing conversations we had with the Virginia delegate at the Blue Victory Dinner in Arlington. And everybody sitting down, I hope. We have the most amazing interview with Jan Hatmaker that we will be sharing next week. I know, I know. I'm sorry to put you guys off a week, but we had so much other stuff that was sort of more pressing time-wise. So we're going to be sharing all that this week. We also have a great interview with Ann Bogle coming up on The Nuance Life. So, so many exciting things coming this week. If you never want to miss a little tiny, even millimeter of news from Pantsuit Politics, the two best ways are to follow us on Instagram at Pantsuit Politics and to subscribe to our email list, which you can do at PantsuitPoliticsShow.com. We did not have time to catch our breath while we were on the road because the Mm -hmm. news continued to roll. We first want to talk a little bit about the shooting that took place at the Waffle House in southeast Nashville this week. As we are recording today, the gunman has still not been apprehended by police. And some Nashville schools are on lockdown. I can't imagine having to send my child to school today knowing that he's still out there. I'm just a little freaked out. I'm two hours away from Nashville. I'm like, does this guy have a car? I hope he doesn't have a car. 
It's just the idea. It's another thing that reminds you that no one is immune from gun violence, right? Because Nashville is very close to us. A Waffle House is a place that we could easily be. And this seems completely random. There doesn't seem to be any motive that we're aware of right now. The gunman has had several encounters with law enforcement. The pattern of delusional behavior that led to law enforcement encounters for him in Illinois caused him to have to surrender three rifles and a handgun. It's being reported that his father had a firearms identification card and was able to get those guns back on assurances that he would keep them appropriately secured and away from his 29-year-old son. But somehow he walked into a Waffle House wearing nothing but a green jacket and carrying an AR-15 and several rounds of ammunition. Four people died, all under 30 years old. Tareen Sanderlin, 29, who was a Waffle House employee, and three customers, Joe Perez, 20 years old, Diebony Groves, 21, and Aquila Da Silva, 23. Just a real tragedy. Four other people were injured. It was so heartbreaking. I read the the account of the gentleman who wrestled him to the ground and like the account of like, my friends and I were out at three. We were tired after a night of partying and we went to Waffle House. I mean, how many of us have done that? Absolutely. I've definitely done it. I've definitely been at Waffle House in the early morning hours. And so it's a, it's a, always a young crowd have after having um, usually a really fun night. And so that just breaks my heart. This guy wrestling him to the ground definitely saved lives. I'm so, so glad that he only suffered some um, minor gunshot injuries. And I'm so heartbroken for the people who died. And I, I hope they find this Clearly, clearly very mentally disturbed young man soon. The individual who tackled the gunman was named James Shaw Jr. There was a picture being tweeted. He grabbed the hot barrel of the rifle and threw it over the counter. So he sustained some burns from that. And he is being quoted pretty widely this morning as saying he doesn't feel like a hero. He just went into survival mode and did what he had to do. I mean, I think it's a real testament to him that he faced somebody carrying an AR-15 without a weapon of his own. He just looked for an opening, took it, and who knows how many people he saved because of his actions. Well, and I just love the way he talked about it. He was like, I was just trying to save myself and get out. Like, it was my chance. Like, I just, I really appreciate it. And I know that, you know, most people caught in these situations try to sort of deflect the um, attention, rightly so. But I just think it's really good for us all to hear, like, heroism is not about having this moment where you just see yourself seeing everybody. It's so instinctual. It's so a moment where you just act quickly and the circumstances align and your momentary instincts align. And I just I really like the way that guys talked about what happened. Less heroic tales coming out of Michael Cohen's situation. I don't even know what to say about Michael Cohen right now because he's such a central figure in his own criminal investigation now. He's been a part of Trump's world in some ways, although the New York Times is reporting that Trump has, despite relying on him to clean up his worst messes, treated him like garbage for most of his career. It's just a strange situation with Michael Cohen. I know what I want to say, and I have politely requested a a small sound effect from our producer, Dylan. Yeah, sing like a bird, buddy. Do it. Just do it. It's okay. We're all here for you. I would like nothing more than for someone who Trump depended on for loyalty and treated like crap to turn on him. And, you know, it's I think with Cohen, it's just, again, another example of with this Mueller investigation, we all think we're trying we're trying to make 
judgments on what's going to happen. And at every turn, it's like, I feel like I'm always saying, I didn't even see this coming. Like his attorney, his personal (laughs) attorney is in this scenario. And I, I guess I'm not surprised, but also at the same time, like this is just bigger than we can possibly assess from where we are right now at this point in time. The Democratic National Committee has filed a lawsuit against pretty much the whole world. So speaking of the, <laughs> of the breadth of this situation. We like to go big. Okay, you know what? It's just we like to go big. So I'm going to list the defendants for you. This lawsuit has been filed in federal court for the Southern District of New York. They are suing Russia like the country, mm-hmm, just all mm-hmm. of Russia. Mm-hmm. The general staff of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation, better known as the GRU. Guccifer 2.0. Two individuals connected with the Miss Universe pageant being in Russia. Mm-hmm. The professor that George Papadopoulos spoke to, which we discussed when we talked about the Papadopoulos plea. Sure. WikiLeaks as an entity, Julian Assange, the Trump campaign, Don Jr., Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Jared Kushner, George Papadopoulos, Rick Gates, and John Doe's 1 through 10. And if you are not a lawyer, John Doe appears in a complaint when you feel like you have somebody else out there to sue, but you don't know who they are yet, and you think that they'll be revealed in discovery. The complaint describes these John Doe's as Russian intelligence officers or agencies who participated in the conspiracy to hack into plaintiff's computers and disseminate stolen documents and information. So when we saw the news breaking that the DNC was filing this lawsuit, a whole bunch of legal questions jumped into my brain. What's the harm directly to the DNC in in a way that they're going to plead in court? How do they have standing to bring these these complaints? Because if, you know, Russia interfering in the United States election, that seems like a cause of action that the United States itself would be pursuing, not a particular political Mm. party. So I had all these kind of geeky lawyer questions. I've read the complaint. I need to study the complaint more because it is very complicated. It sort of reads like if you take every story about Donald Trump and Russia that's been in the news over the past two years and like shake them up and then just spill all of that out over a room, that's what the complaint looks like. I mean, it's everything. It's the meetings and the more salacious stuff and WikiLeaks and real estate and Miss Universe. I mean, it's just all of it in one place. The actual counts of the complaint where the DNC is saying, dear court, we have been harmed and we are entitled to a remedy. Center mostly on violations of federal statutes, computer fraud and abuse act violations. Interestingly, there are RICO counts. RICO is the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. When you violate RICO, that's a crime. It's used in a lot of mafia kind of prosecutions. But there is also a civil action for tortious acts. I guess that's a way to say it done in furtherance of criminal racketeering enterprises. And the complaint says this is a direct quote. The Trump campaign was a racketeering enterprise perpetuating economic espionage and theft of trade secrets. Hashtag find the lie. I mean, I don't know. That sounds right to me. And they have alleged violations of Wiretap Act and Stored Communications Act, violations of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, misappropriation of trade secrets, violation of Washington, D.C. laws on trade secrets, 
trespass in various forms and a violation of the Virginia Computer Crimes Act. And they want lots of money and they want a declaration that Russia interfered in the election and they want injunctions against all sorts of things. As much as I have been digging into the Manafort complaint and all of the kind of facts underlying the Mueller charges, I have not done a similar deep dive into WikiLeaks and all of the allegations that really form the basis of this complaint. So I guess that that's going to be my next sort of research task. (laughs) You sound excited. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I... (sighs) It all feels so outlandish to me. And and look, I say this believing pretty much everything in this complaint. Now, there are places that I th- sort of roll my eyes in the complaint. The Democrats didn't have an opportunity to communicate their shared values. Okay. I mean, guys. <laughs> I mean, there, there are things that, that annoy me about this complaint. I think the over but but I do believe the the formative allegations of it and I think that there probably are causes of action here. I guess my overall question and this is really a question to you Sarah and I ask it earnestly. Do you find this helpful? Um and to what? <laughs> you know. Can you can you define helpful? One of the most interesting things I find about this complaint is it's very similar um to a complaint, and I don't think they filed another complaint like this since Watergate. So I think it is a good way for the Democratic Party to signal that this is not just partisan politics as usual, that something happened here, that something wrong happened here, and that there were harms done not just to the American people, but to their particular organization, which I also believe is true. And if the legal system offers the only way for them to find redress for those you know, the illegal actions and the harms they caused, then I'm supportive of it. Now, is it also true that this is public relations and appealing to the base? Yeah, but I think I think both things can be true. It definitely feels like public relations and appealing to the base. It feels like fundraising. If I were a donor to the DNC, would I want money spent? And this is going to be a very expensive pursuit. Mm-hmm. Even if it never goes anywhere, even if it was filed principally to make a statement and to prompt discovery, which I imagine a lot of this is about discovery. Right. You could see the openings to get his tax returns through this lawsuit. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there are lots of things that could come out of this. It is going to be very, very expensive. If I were a donor to the DNC, I might prefer that my dollars be spent more directly on just getting Democrats elected. I don't really know what to make of this. They've named so many people. There are also so many people who aren't named who are talked about in quite a bit of detail throughout the complaint. Significantly, Corey Lewandowski, for example, appears a lot in the allegations of the complaint, isn't a named defendant. And that's why I want to spend some time. You know, the charges in this complaint are not my areas of expertise by a stretch. So I really want to understand the legal underpinnings here and the legal theories For the country as a whole, when the temperature is as hot as it is right now, I think that feeds Donald Trump. Mm. I think the Democrats, if you just look at the whole country, I think the Democrats bringing this lawsuit probably unnecessarily. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong to do it. I'm not part of the DNC. This is a private entity. It can do what it wants. This is just my personal take. 
I think it probably adds more fuel to the fire on the witch hunt 30-ish percent of the country's side of the ledger than it will do in terms of actually moving the country forward. I think this about James Comey's book, too, which I am enjoying and which I will talk about in detail on the show when I have finished. I think I have about a third of it left to read. I wish that he had waited to do this because there is an active investigation happening. And I don't think all of this press and all of the people who are arguably making money off of it. And like I said, I'm with you. I'm not mad at James Comey for writing a book and trying to make money. I'm not mad about that at all. If I'm just thinking as an American citizen who is worried about trust and confidence in our institutions and believing people and having some coherent national understanding of what's taken place over the past couple of years, I don't think the Comey book is super helpful to that. And I don't think this lawsuit is super helpful to that. I don't know. I don't know how to address the severity of what has happened and how to constantly um, emphasize that this is not normal, that our norms are being undermined in a way that doesn't feel like it adds to the drama. Like what has happened is dramatic and to speak about it is going to be dramatic. So I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how we deal with what's happened in a way that is productive so that we can move forward. I mean, we have to, we have to look back in order to heal and find justice and provide find preventative measures before we can move forward. And because so much of this is inherently dramatic, I don't know how you do that without feeding his fire. Because what I'm not I don't I'm not willing to do is to not draw the line, to not emphasize that our norms are being undermined because we don't want to feed I mean Anything. He will find the fire whether we feed it or not. And so I just, I struggle. I really do struggle and think about this a lot. Like, I don't want people to get burned out. I don't want people to to lose focus. But some of this is just big and messy and complicated and really, really important. And I don't know if there is a really great productive way to just sort of move forward. I think we might, I think we're just in the messy middle right now and we're just going to have to swim around in it. And yeah, some of that will serve his political purposes. But not serving his political purposes is really not my number one priority. My number one priority is, you know, addressing the problem, making sure we fully and completely understand it, conveying the um, importance of what has happened and making sure it doesn't happen again. On the most recent episode of The Circus, Alex Wagner sat down with Jennifer Palmieri, who worked for Hillary Clinton, worked in the Clinton administration. And she was talking about how Stephanie Clifford's uh, Stormy Daniels is so powerful Because there isn't much that can be taken away from her. When you have built your career as she has in pornography, it's not that there is going to be all this kind of damaging material out there that can be used against you to keep you quiet. She's Mm -hmm. kind of a person who doesn't have a whole lot to lose right now. Her family's been threatened. She's been through all of it. And so what else are you going to do to her? And the theory that Jennifer Palmieri and Alex Wagner were discussing is just that that makes her the most dangerous force in the Trump world right now because they can't do anything to her. And I was thinking about how I think that's really true. I also think that that's why when everybody says, why is he untouchable? Why is he Teflon? I think that's it. What other rumors could come out about him? There is nothing that you hear about Donald Trump that you think, oh, no way. That's that's a bridge too far. 
And I think that that's why I feel that all of this helps him, especially when it comes from Democrats. There's nothing he loves more than making Republicans say, see, they hate all of us, really. See, this is really about partisan politics. And to be fair, this complaint reads like it is both about partisan politics and not. It's both things. And that's the thing. I'm I'm done. I don't really care about the court of public opinion and public relations anymore because I understand his strategy there. But he doesn't have a strategy when it comes to the law. He doesn't. He barely has lawyers. So for me, like, I'm just, you know what? You're probably right. And it will feed those people. And those people are never going to feel any differently. And so I'm just done worrying about his public relations strategy. And I really just want to talk legal strategy, which I think is why the suit appeals to me. Like, you know, I think that we've dis- we've discovered, for better or for worse, that the court of public opinion, I mean, people don't like him, but some for some reason people have completely compartmentalized his terrible behavior in tweets, particularly people in um, conservative circles. And I'm not talking about Republican Party leadership. I'm talking about the people who I break bread with have decided that, well, I don't like his tweets and I don't like him, but what he's doing is fine. I find that completely unacceptable, but I'm done trying to convince them. And until there are legal ramifications— um, I'm not even going to try. And to be clear, I do not think that the DNC is handling this in a way that is anywhere in the universe of the ridiculousness coming out of the RNC right now. Oh, my God. With the lion. I mean, a lion is a nice animal. Why are you calling James Comey a lion lion? Like a lion is a good thing to be. That's what bothers. I realize that's not the biggest problem with that ridiculous approach, but it bothers me every time. I'm like, a lion is a good animal. Like, Whatever. Sarah is referring to the fact, if you aren't aware, that the RNC has actually hired a human being to dress in a lion suit to follow James Comey around on his book tour because they have branded him Lion James Comey. There's a website and everything. And I am so embarrassed that the political party with which I am registered is adopting a strategy that is beneath what my seven-year-old would come mm-hmm. up with to deal with this situation against somebody who, whatever you think about James Comey, has served this country as a United States attorney, as a deputy attorney general, and as the director of the FBI. This is not a person, I think, worthy of being mocked and harassed in this way. He's also been a Republican. I mean, it's just insane to me. So I'm not trying to sit in the glassiest of glass houses and throw stones across the aisle. I'm just genuinely trying to think, what does the country need to start healing in terms of our our sense of here's what the truth is and here's what we do about it and here's how we continue to have any modicum of faith in our institutions? You know what I think it is, honestly? I don't think healing, reconciliation, or any of that is possible while he's still in the White House. I think I think that's where I'm going to come down on this. I think while he is still there, it's it's I'm not really sure it's available to us. In that sense, isn't the best remedy to elect Democrats in 2018? And if I'm the DNC, isn't that where I put all my chips? Mm-hmm. Not pursuing a lawsuit, we're mad about 2016, but look at these great candidates we have. Hey, middle of America. Hey, 40 percent of people who identify as independents. We had a real problem here. It's not normal. Also, you can trust us. The kind of people, and this maybe transitions us to compliment the other side, Sarah and I sat down with seven women who were elected to Virginia's House of Delegates this past year. 
And yes, it is exciting that they are seven women. It is exciting how many firsts they represent. What is more exciting is that they're going to be really good legislators. They really know their stuff. They care about traffic and schools and cybersecurity. If I were part of the DNC, I think all of my focus would be saying, everybody, all of this is exhausting. It's terrible. It's not normal. Look at these great people that we have to go do this work. Let's vote Mm. for these great people in 2018. And I really felt like that was the vibe of the event. I didn't feel like I was like in the midst of the angry resistance at the Blue Arlington Dinner. I felt like this was a very positive like – These are tough times. Look at our amazing people. We are ready to handle it. We are energized to go out there and make people feel good about participating in our democracy. Didn't you? I think for the most part, absolutely. And I think especially among those seven women, I think, and you're going to hear more from them on Friday's show. I'll specifically call out today Hala Ayala, who was just a delight to be around. The reason that I want you to know about her and focus on her is because she has cybersecurity expertise. And my goodness, do we need more people, not just in our state representation, but in our national representation who have And she that said kind she's like the expertise. first one elected, which is a little disturbing. <laughs> it's very disturbing. I hope she's the first of many. And she is just a firestorm of energy. She's very, very focused. They've already had a number of legislative achievements. So you're going to hear more about these women on Friday, but um, I was very encouraged and inspired by them. And look, can I just, fellow Republicans, can we just chat for a second? We could do this too. We could come up with great candidates, especially great women candidates, who can go be really good legislators. We do not have to continue to cast our lot with the Sean Hannity's of the world, with the Alex Joneses of the world. There is a way to renew a really positive vision in this party that would complement the really positive vision coming from many people on the Democratic side. And like we could have a functioning government. It would be amazing. Hmm. Let's do that, please. So I want to compliment Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Corker, senator from Tennessee. This committee is currently dealing with a nomination of Mike Pompeo for secretary of state due to the fact that our senator, Rand Paul, and Senator John McCain have decided to vote against Pompeo. It is um, looking likely there's a they're meeting today that he will not receive the endorsement of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which will be the first time in a very, very long time. So it's a very tough situation, and I just really think – I really appreciated the way Bob Corker talked about it. Now, do I agree with him that Mike Pompeo is super not super qualified and just an easy yes? No, I don't, but I like the way he talked about it, which is what he just said. We we live in a very partisan environment. My friends on the Democratic side, their base supports this president so much that we are in an era where somebody like this who is qualified, unfortunately, is likely to be voted out without a negative recommendation. I just – you know, I don't agree with everything he said, but I thought the way he said it was fine, which is – you know, they're in they're in a, in a in this current political environment. This is what they feel like they have to do. It wasn't they're terrible. They they don't care. They don't care about our country. Just blame the Democrats. It was just like this is the political environment we're in right now, and this is what's going to happen as a result because everything is so intensely partisan. And I just thought he talked about it in a very respectful way, in a very tough position. And you know, I just like Bob Corker generally. So I thought that that I thought the way he spoke of this tough situation with Pompeo and the Senate Foreign Relations Committee was well done. 
Well, next up, we are going to share our discussion with Mark McKinnon. Mark is, has, have you seen something interesting in politics? He was probably involved. He's worked <laughs> for both Democrats and Republicans. He has advised on shows like House of Cards. He has worked for Public Strategies and the Hill and Knowlton Strategies firms. He's been an advisor to numerous presidential campaigns. And right now, he is the co-host and co-executive producer of Showtime's The Circus. Mark graciously met with us while we were in Washington, D.C. at the Ritz-Carlton. And so you're going to hear some interesting kind of background noise during this interview. We love talking with Mark. He is inexplicably gracious to us always. And so we hope you enjoyed this discussion. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. 
So we wanted to ask you, Mark, you had some time between the second and third season. What did you reflect on and think about you wanting to bring to the third season? Well, uh, once again, I was so surprised when we came back and did season two because I just didn't think things could get more interesting or dramatic than the campaign. And, yeah. and it turns out the drama yes. was just beginning. Mm-hmm. And so we did a second season around the first hundred days, which was, you know, shocking, surprising, fascinating. You know, the thing that makes good drama is interesting characters, conflict and surprise. We get that every day with the Trump administration. So to my surprise, uh, shooting the circus you know, of a, of a sitting administration has been great. And and the, the primary reason is that the people across the political spectrum are interested. Mm-hmm. They're just fascinated. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like this national civics lesson going on. So we wanted to come back. And it's always kind of a, an issue of when do we come back and how long can we be on? Because the threshold for being on, if the, if the threshold for being on the air is something interesting is happening, we'd never go off the air. Yeah, so it's always a little tricky about timing. But we know that because of all that's happening, uh, with all the legal turmoil around the president, that I mean, the midterms are always important, but they're partic- they're existential for Donald Trump because if the Democrats win the House, mm-hmm. then there's the possibility of impeachment proceedings. Uh, so uh, that's going to be really interesting. So, we, but we've come back right now to kind of set the table about all that's going on right now. Um, and then we'll do, uh, we're going to do a run of six episodes right now, take a break, and then we'll come back Labor Day and cover the whole oh, wow. fall elections. And then we'll once again be kind of going all over the country and going to interesting races and previewing, you know, the, the big, exciting races that could make the difference. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be really fun. Yeah, we'll, I mean, as part of it, just the Trump, you know, other administrations try to tamp down drama, and this one seems to yeah. implement. Yeah, <laughs> they like to pump it up. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, you remember uh, Obama's, their credo was no, no, drama. no drama Obama. And, you know, Trump He would is just not have made opposite. a good season of the circus, I don't think. No, no, he wouldn't. In fact, if, yeah, and I think about it sometimes, that if, 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 if we were dealing with President Clinton, there wouldn't have been a season two. Mm. Of wow. Service. Wow. Just, that's, just, you know, that's, just, just, that's it right there. Yeah. Do you think that's true even with the Republican Congress? Oh, yeah. I just I just don't think, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think with President Clinton, she, it would have been very measured. It would have been very, you know, very sedate, very sort of, you know, uh, by the book. And, and, yeah, I mean, it would have been contentious because of the Republican Congress for sure. But, but just... But just not what's happening now at all. And, and I mean, it would be interesting to the extent that politics is always interesting in America, but it's just what we're seeing is unprecedented. Right. Mm-hmm. I liked how you used the phrase national civics lesson there. That sounds like there's a kernel of hope, uh, not just drama, but hope. Yeah, no, I'm a prisoner of hope. My ambition for the show from the very beginning has been that to show a side of politics that people don't see with the hope that they would feel better about it mm-hmm. and that uh, have a deeper understanding about it. Yes, it's, we want it to be entertaining, but we want it to be informative and to provide a broader context and understanding behind our political system and why it's important and why it's worth and why people should should pay attention. I'm definitely stealing Prisoner of Hope. Well, I stole it. I stole it. You know where I stole it? Where? Cory Booker. So all credit to Cory Booker, but we can all steal it. We all steal it. I'm sure he would would welcome that. He would welcome that. So how are you making decisions about where to spend your time? 
Do you um, roll a dice every morning? You have like a special an eight, dice, eight, that's <laughs> like a sixteen-sided. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. That's a good idea. We just, yeah, we need that uh, the, the magic eight ball. And one of the things that I learned from Hollywood is the really important part of what we do is obviously the storytelling part. So I at first just thought, like when we were doing the campaign, I said, oh, you know, just lots of interesting stuff happening. We'll go shoot it and put it on the air. They're like, no, no, no. So every week we try and anticipate what's going to happen. Like this week, we we caucused. I said, you know, there's lots of legal stuff going on. People don't understand it. Let's try and get perspective on it. And so we said the theme of this week is going to be the lawyers. And uh, and then before that, it was Russia. But And the, again, you know, with the Russia thing, that took a lot of planning and a lot of, you know, money to get over and all that. And then we get there, and every story that happened that week was Russia-related. Wow. I mean, we had the Syrian bombing. We had the diplomats being thrown out. We had the Facebook hearings that were all about Russia. I mean, everything. So, you know, it's, it's you know, a lot of it's just dumb luck, but part of it's making our own luck, too, and trying to anticipate. And we have, you know, some good, smart people, including and especially Alex Wagner, by the way, who yeah. we're really excited to have aboard. And she has, like, walked in like she's been there the whole time. Wow. She's just, she's smart and witty and... Uh, funny and fun to be around and just a great addition to the cast. So what was it like to be in Russia? We were talking about this a little bit before the interview started. Is it just a different vibe the second you get there? Yeah, it's just, it is a different vibe and it uh, it was it was particularly a different vibe when we were there because uh, the, the day before we got there, or I mean the day that I was with Ambassador Huntsman 60 diplomats were expelled from the country and so you have all this high tension going on in the chemical bombing in Syria to, to, to Russia, so there's a high state of anxiety on both sides of the dial, and as Ambassador Huntsman said, the, you know, the only time historically that we've had this kind of diplomatic response and tension that turned, you know, turned into a war. And so, and then we had to, like, leave all our phones and computers behind, you know, because worried about you're being compromised or intercepted wow. and so that's weird and uh, by the way you sure gain an appreciation for all your little devices when you, <laughs> when you don't have them oh my god um, but then just weird stuff would happen like you know we'd be in Red Square and like some guy would bump into me it's like well Mark McKinnon you know oh, we'll wow. watch your show it's like well, wait, you, well, you don't watch my show you know, they don't have the show in Russia and it's like just weird stuff like that's that which I'm sure we always overread but you just still. feel like people are kind of following you and you know your paranoia levels gets pretty high, but and then just talking to people in Russia was fascinating because you see the prop. We saw the propaganda machine in full throttle, which was amazing. But we also talked to Russians on the street and about their perceptions about not only Putin and what's going on there, but Trump and what's going on here. You know, and they they kind of dig Trump. You know, he's a lot like Putin. I mean, yeah. they like the strong man, the authoritarian. And uh, but at the same time, they kind of said, you know, things are kind of going crazy and. And, and the other thing is that we got—we definitely got the sense from all that that happened, and I have from, from conversations from people who know that they feel like Russia kind of overplayed their hand in recent weeks, and there may be some opportunities to de-escalate things. Interesting. Now, so. Interesting. Ambassador Huntsman is one of my favorite politicians of all time. I need to know how he's doing. Is he doing all right? Uh, well, mine too. Uh, I love the guy. And uh, uh, so so interesting because I went to see him. And we couldn't bring cameras in, which was totally understandable because it's just dangerous, literally. I mean, it's like, it'd be highly possible that they, the, the Russian intelligence could just slip a chip in our camera and somewhere if we were coming through the airport or whatever. And, you know, it's completely designed so you turn on your camera button. And so their, their, cam- their cameras go on at the same time. So your, your camera, their, your, our cameras become their cameras. 
so, but but it was a fascinating time to see him. As I said, I saw him the day that 60 of his diplomats, of his colleagues, friends, and workers were shipped out. That's a third of his workforce. And the most important people in his workforce, his chief of staff, I mean, the Russians targeted. Oh, all they the, said exactly who they wanted. Oh, yeah. To no, they said, this person's out, this person's out, this person. And, and they were the most important people that worked for him. So imagine that. I mean, you know, uh, what that'd be like. So. First of all, I was, I was stunned that he would see me on that day, given all he had to deal with, uh, that he would or that he could even have the time. And then I got there, and it was so surreal because it was at night, you know, and then you have the guards and all that. And so I go in, and and then he's totally alone in this huge mansion. I mean, there's like, you know, one kind of little servant dude, and that's about it. And he's all alone. didn't get expelled. Yeah, it's like he was home alone. And... Uh, and, but the thing that was really impressed me was that well, he talked about how emotional it was to lose all his colleagues and friends. He also just, you could just tell he, his, his backbone was stiff as concrete, you know, and he was like, it was, I really got to, I even asked him about, um, you know, do, do you have any regrets about not being back home and running for the Senate for Utah? Cause, and he, I think Trump wanted him to run for the Senate from Utah, he could be a U.S. Senator, and he said, you know what, I, th I think I'm really meant to be where I am and that's my sense too is that John Huntsman is the right guy in the right place yeah. at the right time he's he's got incredible diplomatic skills he's a good politician but he's a great diplomat and and so to be I mean I think we have like I just can't imagine anybody better to be in that situation than John Huntsman I mean he's just so good so experienced you know having been in China and I think Singapore so he's uh, he's he's the man for the job, and I'm really glad he's there. Me too. It's surprising to that we got that one right in the midst of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, I'm glad that things, you know, go like that, and sometimes they land in the right place. So. Mm -hmm. We were exchanging emails, Mark, during a day that you guys were spending time with Michael Avenatti. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about covering the the entire Stormy Daniels saga. Well. <laughs> um, one of the things we're trying to do at the circus is get behind the scenes, and and so we were, you know, we did this whole, we committed this week to wanting to cover the legal drama, and uh, so we got in touch with Michael Avenatti, who's the lead attorney for Stormy Daniels, really colorful guy, and and my partner John Heileman uh, literally was with him the whole day Monday, and then more he was on the train with him the next day, and. We got some people in Los Angeles with him today. There's a court thing today, so it's, it's kind of a Michael Avenatti show uh, to some degree. Although I never know what it, the final show is going to be, because I mean, we have once again way too much stuff. But but it was fascinating for John to be with him from sort of dawn till dusk Monday when the big court scene happened with Stormy Daniels in New York City and with some mob scene, and it was you know it was raining and. And it's just it was perfect circus stuff, you know, because it was just it was crazy and chaotic, and 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 Avenatti is a you know central casting character. He is just I mean they he's just like you know That's what he's doing too. He he does, and he has milked this thing in a way. And but not not only that, I mean he's 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 great at getting attention for his client and for himself, obviously, and causing trouble to his adversaries. But in theory. Their case could be the undoing of the president. I mean, because there is a potential uh, uh, potential uh, campaign finance violation and the payoff of Stormy Daniels that could ultimately be really problematic legally. Mm -hmm. 
Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. So you say you've taken all this this footage, you're you're trying to focus, you have to pick some things, but what do you think we're missing right now? Like, what do you think we should be focusing that we're not, or a story that you think is not getting sort of an undercurrent that maybe is not getting the attention it should? I mean, those are things we're trying to anticipate with the circus, like where are we going to go next and what do people need to know about? I mean, 
we really want to do do a deeper dive on immigration. We want to go to the border and talk more about the wall. And, and yeah, by the way, that's the thing that Alex really brings to the show. She just launched a book, by the way, called Future Face. And she is of Burmese descent. Her mother's Burmese. And... Uh, and she just talks. She brings a cultural component to the, you know, and obviously a diversity to the cast, which I always wanted from the very beginning. And she's just very tuned into cultural, the cultural zeitgeist of today. And so, uh, I think that's going to be an, an, an additional part of the show that hasn't been there before. And, and so I think we, we just, you know, we want to, like you guys do, get into what's happening in our society and our culture and the polarization and why that's happening and. Uh, and, and and try and better understand the, these issues that are dividing us. So, um, you know, next week is going to be a lot of foreign stuff happening. Macron's going to be here, and I think Merkel, something with Merkel, and uh, so trying to and you know and and, and Trump, by the way, is when I was at Mar-a-Lago this week. Uh, you could tell that he's really excited about what's happening with North Korea right now. And yeah. he should be. And he should be. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, uh, it's, it could be one of those uh, unconventional things that happen because of this president, you know, mm-hmm. because he's so unpredictable. And maybe that's precisely the kind of equation we needed to get North Korea to, to move. Mm-hmm. And, and it's moving in the right direction. So this could be his Nixon to China thing. So we're going to probably focus on some of that next week with the international component of what's happening yeah. with the Trump administration. So... Those are a couple of things we're looking at. We've been having this conversation on the show about panels and journalism and how, you know, on cable news especially, you're watching these panels and you sort of think, what is this? How should I understand what I'm seeing when I Some of them are journalists. Some of them are politicians on the panel. It's like all everybody's together. And so it made me think about this circus. How do you want people to understand what they're watching? Well, I think we focus way too much on kind of the principles in the drama and that there are many other characters and storylines in the orbit beyond Donald Trump, beyond Hillary Clinton, beyond James Comey, and, you know, why are they important and how are they fill out the story? And I just think as a culture we get distracted by kind of the main event and miss the stuff that's happening around. And that's really the whole intent of the circus is to, is to get the whole circus, and get behind and see the, you know, see the sword swallower, see the, see the bearded lady, see the, and understand some of these other characters make it up. So if we get a... And that introduces complexity and nuance just by default. Yes. You can't take exactly. in all these additional humans and not see the complexity yeah. beyond the headline. Yeah, and I, th- I think that when you do that, people just get a better appreciation and understanding for what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I have one I have one more question. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you're a proud Texan and had a loss in your state this month, yeah, this week, and we time. wanted to ask you about Barbara Bush, if you have a favorite memory to share, or anything you're thinking about her this week. Yeah, uh, force of nature, and <laughs> heaven's got a new hall monitor. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, one of my, not only favorite people in politics, one of my favorite people, period, and just feel so lucky that I got to be in her orbit a little bit. People loved her for lots of reasons, but I think... The most important reason is, you know, a, a lot of the reason they love George W., which he got from his mother, is just she's so authentic, just the real deal, no, no BS. And uh, you know, when you think of most first ladies, almost all of them really, they're poised and diplomatic, but there's kind of a cover, you know, and. And, and Barbara Bush was just unvarnished, and she would say things you wouldn't expect a first lady to say, and she's salty and funny, 
uh, and irreverent. And it was just so great to see that, you know, to just have her say whatever's on her mind. And like, like uh, there was a, a thing I just saw the other day where she was uh, she was asked about George W. and kind of. She was just asked a question about George W. And she said, well, you know he's the way he is. You know why he's the way he is, don't you? And the interviewer said, no, why? She said, well, I drank and smoked a lot when, he, when I was pregnant. <laughs> that's a perfect barbecue. <laughs> well, that's what we were talking about. I said, you know, on our, when we were talking about it on the earlier show this week, I said, I just hope that that's, like, I hope it doesn't become, oh, she was this, what a great mother and a great grandma, which she was, but, like, don't clean her up yeah, like yeah, she's so yeah, perfect no, like don't point. do that don't don't that's let her really be good. who she is that's exactly right that's what made her so wonderful yeah. it wasn't she had a like it kind of felt like she it wasn't that she was had a, a cover but like there was a fierceness there oh, mm-hmm. like a real fierceness that was to not be crossed yeah no she had a kind of toughness that her husband lacked mm-hmm. to be honest you know he's kind of genteel and he needed that kind of tough warrior beside him and she she'd kind of kick butt when butts needed kicking mm-hmm. and uh my favorite memory is just, you know, I had a couple of opportunities to, to be with the nuclear family at Kenny Bunkport, which is an amazing place to be. And just to see them interact as a family, you know, with her kind of, you know, George, eat your peas. And, you know, just kind of a family dynamics, which is uh, uh, just, it was, you know, really authentic because, you know, nobody's watching them but me. And uh, it, it it was not only authentic, but the interaction was so cute and seeing her be her. But I was just also overpowered by the unconditional love between all of them. And I was so moved, I'd like dessert, I excused myself to go call my father and tell him how much I missed him. Just because I was just like, you know, because I love this family thing and it just made me think about mine. So, uh, And the other thing, is she, just, she just went out in such classic style, which was to say, you know, I... I don't want to be a, 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 a weight on everybody else at this point, you know. Yeah. I mean, she was kind of she kind of pulled the plug because Barbenic. not because she wanted to go, but it was like, you know, I don't need to be causing all this trouble for everybody and just be hanging around and pop a bourbon and out she goes. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Thanks for talking with us. We love the uh, circus. Well, we love you guys. Beth, what's on your mind outside of politics this week? I'm really just getting settled back in from being on our trip, Sarah. So we did lots of fun things over a very long period of being away from home. And it just made me realize things like how much I need some alone time now and then and how (laughs) tiring it is to speak all day. It's really, really fun. But Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of feeling drained by all of it. I did feel very adult last night because I completely unpacked my bags as soon as I got home. Um, I'm sure it won't surprise you to know that I always unpack completely. Well, you saw me. I unpack when I get to the hotel room, and then I unpack when I get home, too. Um, I'm digging myself out from just, you know, being gone and the things you have to find your way back through on top of the kitchen renovation that is still not done. We're so close, y'all. They came to do the countertops while I was gone. I thought, they're going to finish it off while we're gone. But one of the countertops was cracked, so we're dealing with that. And I'm just so ready to be through with this renovation. So what's your anticipated date of being finished? We are hoping that the replacement countertop will be in by the end of this week. And so I I think, I really think this weekend we should have a complete kitchen. Of course, we're traveling again. We are going to Transylvania University, our alma mater, to do a live podcast on Saturday. So I won't be home to enjoy this beautiful new kitchen, but eventually I will, and it's going to be great. 
So I should mention on our trip that we were very fortunate to meet lots of listeners in Mm -hmm. different places. We had such a fun time. We got to see so many people. I think my favorite part of this whole listener meetup situation was that very late one evening, we met up with our listener, Tamala. Sarah had this pizza in Washington, D.C. that she really wanted to have. It's called Vache. If you live in Washington, D.C., you need to eat it. Vache, V-A-C-E. They're not a sponsor of the show, but it is delicious pizza. Just ask Beth. It is delicious. So Tamala drove us to Vache. You cannot eat inside of Vache, and they do not do uh, delivery. delivery. You have to show up and get it. That's how good the pizza is. Think about that. So we get there. We realize that we called the Maryland location instead of the D.C. Mm -hmm. location to order the pizza. So we have to sit on the street in Tamala's car and wait for the pizza. And then we all ended up having a picnic in her car very late in the evening of this pizza. And she was so wonderful and gracious about it. And it was just a lot of fun. I always learn a lot when I talk with listeners like that. And that that was a really kind of special moment that will stick with me for a long time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. As mentioned, we will be back tomorrow on The Nuanced Life, our podcast about everything outside of politics, um, with a Really amazing conversation with Ann Bogle of Modern Mrs. Darcy and What Should I Read Next about decision fatigue, which plagues me. And she wrote this amazing post that we talked about all the ways she's dealing with decision fatigue. On Friday, we'll be sharing our interviews with the amazing freshman class of Virginia delegates that we spoke to at the Arlington Democrat Blue Victory Dinner. And then next Tuesday, y'all, start the countdown. Us, Jen Hatmaker. It's amazing. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Support for Pantsuit Politics comes from our listeners. We especially appreciate our executive producers, George Niedermeyer, Tracy Pidoff, Nicholas Holland, and Chad Silvers. Our theme music was written and performed by Dante Lima. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Subscribe and leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Player and follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic and Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics.